This is Xavier Rose. You listen to the Raw Cast, hosted by Wadi. Second and nine. Hello everyone and welcome back. It's another edition of the Wobcast. I'm your host Mike Wobshall inside TCO Studios at Winter Park, joined by co-host and producer of the Wobcast, Chris Corso. We're excited for today's show. It's jam-packed with lots of information. Yeah, there's no game this weekend for the Minnesota Vikings, but there's lots to talk about. We're bringing you the Wobcast a day early. It's a playoff edition. Lots of exciting stuff ahead. I mean, we're sitting around here all week not getting ready for a game, so Chrissy and I thought we'd bring the Wobcast a day early. Not a bad plan, huh, Chrissy? Yeah, we were sitting there and we're just like, we have some off time here. Yeah. There's a lot to watch this week. But we're, we were just raring to go a day early, so, yeah. so we're, we're, we're ready to do it. So we have Peter Schrager coming up later. We have the history of the two-seed. Of course, you're a male, but first, some news and notes. Take it away, Chris. Looking at the news and notes, the big news around the building this week is that Sam Bradford has returned to practice the past two days. Um, just just for him to be back, I mean, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, yeah. it's good for the team. Um, he was obviously the leader uh, heading into the season. We're not jumping up, jumping on the Bradford bandwagon and saying that he's going to be the starter here or anything like that, but looking at having Case Keenum and then having uh, Bradford as a backup, if anything goes to happen to Keenum, um, as well as Teddy back yeah. there, there's no problems with that. I, I don't know. What's your opinion there, Wobby? Yeah, that, that's what it is. It's another healthy quarterback, and we've um, had quarterback injuries the last two years, so adding a healthy one, not a bad thing. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, someone asks Zim what's the order um, for yeah. the for those three, and that if is he'll, interesting. Yeah, if he'll say what it is, or if he'll try and sidestep that question, I'm sure that's going to be a storyline next week. Um, not really worth our time getting into it because it doesn't really matter what we think, and yep. we don't play a game this weekend. So, and and Sam just got back to practice, so I think we probably should pump the brakes a little bit. But that will be a, a talker next week. Looking at these numbers that we continue to bring up every single week, we got to bring them up again because 17 games have come and gone, and mm-hmm. we're looking at this defense that is the number one defense, the Vikings defense in the NFL this season in many, many categories. The Vikings finished first, allowing just 15.8 points per game in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The first time... Um, the first time a Vikings defense has led the league in this stat since 1970. Yeah, pretty cool. And that, mean, that was the days of the Purple People Eaters. Exactly. That's when that was. So, Pretty cool stat. Um, the Vikings entered the day knowing that they could only allow 11 points against the Bears or less to secure the fewest points allowed, uh, barring anything that happened in the yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars game. And guess what? They gave up 10, 10. points. Yeah. And they had that goal line stop there at the end of the game. And really? Yeah. And really, the defense didn't give up 10 points. They did not. Because they didn't give up the touchdown. It, the seven-point touchdown came yeah. from a fake punt play right. um, on special teams, which uh, it was a great play for Chicago. They needed a little bit of a spark, and they, and they definitely got it in that play. Yeah. But that was not the defense yeah. that gave up those points. The Vikings also finished first in yards allowed per game, mm-hmm. 275.9. This is the best defensive uh, season in that stat category for the Vikings since 1993. Wow. And the <laughs> NFL's top defense um, and, and top scoring defense as well. So, so just going over those two numbers, that's, yeah. I mean, these are, these are big-time numbers. Yeah, and another one, too, that I'm going to throw in here is third-down defense. I, I think it's the, 
the All best, time. yeah, the best recorded yep. number for third down defense in NFL history, and and so I'm guessing that we haven't been keeping that stat as long as we've been keeping been some since others. 1983, okay. they've been recording that stat. All right, so. so we don't know if there was a better one before that. There may have been. It'd be yep. interesting to go back and look it up, but. Um, yeah, since 1983, the best third down defense the NFL has seen. So uh, really impressive numbers by this Vikings defense. And it seemed like after the last two seasons, 2015 and 2016, like how could the Vikings defense get any better? Well, it did this year, and I think you give the defensive players and Mike Zimmer and his staff credit for that. But I also think a big part of it is because the offense was so much better. I mean, I think we're right around 24 points per game. Yep. And when you have a defense that is this good and then you give them the support of 24 points per game, they can do some great things. Absolutely. They definitely seemed more refreshed throughout the season. Obviously, the play of players like uh, Trey Waynes, who came along towards yeah. the middle, towards the end of the season. Anthony Barr had a stellar year. Yeah. Um, he was just all over the field. And I mean, you, you can't really pick out players on this defense. I'm just talking right. about some of the guys who really – um, improved because most of these players were already uh, amazing in years past. Yep. Um, so th- those are two of the guys who really stood out to yeah, me. Yeah, and you know with the defense, you got guys like Trey who improved, Mac Alexander who improved, and yep. even like Anderson Dejo who improved a little bit. But because it's such a young defense and guys that are in their prime, no one is getting too old and is coming down to counterbalance the guys who are coming up. You know, Terrence Newman has maintained his solid level of play. You didn't have any veterans wearing down, you know, and taking away from the growth of the young players that's improved the defense. So I think that's a key part of it, too. For sure. Now looking at the offense, we're going to look at one player who caught a touchdown last week, and that's Stephon Diggs. Mm -hmm. He caught his fifth touchdown of his career against the Bears on Sunday. Um, He also achieved a special milestone as a Vikings wide receiver. He um, He had 65 yards on six catches, bringing his career receptions total to an even 200. That's the fastest Viking, only 40 games, to get to this total of 200 catches. Um, Percy Harvin and Randy Moss each accomplished this feat in 42 games. So that's uh, for Diggs to come and do that in his first 40 games. He did it quietly behind um, Adam Thielen, who kind of had the the best year of the Vikings receiving core. But um, I wanted to note that because that's pretty – I've been here since he's been here in 2015, and um, he has definitely been a playmaker for this offense. Yeah, and Diggs didn't play in like the first handful of games his rookie season, so it it may have been, you know, a game or two quicker even had he been playing right out of the gates um, in his rookie year. But yeah, impressive numbers, and you're right, he did do it quietly behind Adam Thielen. I think a lot of people before this season started would have been like. I think Diggs is the best receiver on this team. He's the lead dog. And then a lot of people would have been like, yeah, Thielen's going to, he's the best. He's the lead dog. The way the numbers kind of panned out this year, if you look at it just from a number standpoint, you know, Thielen had the better numbers. Yep. But, I mean, you said it right. Like, Stephon Diggs quietly had a really good season for the Vikings. And he's starting to get a little hot right here at the end of the season, which is good timing. For sure. Now we're going to look kind of at the playoff picture here. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Vikings do not play um, this weekend, but we will be watching all, all of these other games. So, Wabi, you had a playoff picture video um, on Vikings.com that we're going to let you play here and explain to everybody kind of what's going on in the, in the playoffs as the Vikings head into the bye week. Hey, everyone. Mike Wabshaw at TCO Studios inside Winter Park here to take a look at the playoff picture. Exciting times ahead for the Minnesota Vikings. We have three things for you to keep in mind as you watch Wild Card Weekend 
this weekend. Point number one, the Vikings are the two seed and they have a bye. That means you don't have to worry about anything. So kick your feet up, have fun, and watch some good football games. You're gonna watch the Rams hosting the Falcons and you're gonna watch the Saints hosting the Panthers. Interesting to note, the Vikings played all four of those teams this season and they are three and one in those games. Point number two, our potential opponents, the Los Angeles Rams. If they win, we play the Rams. It's as easy as that. But if the Falcons upset the Rams, then the Vikings will play the winner of the Saints-Panthers game. If the Falcons win, they will head to the one seed and play the Eagles, and then we'll play the winner of the Saints and Panthers. Point number three, we don't know who we play, but we do know when we play. We will play divisional round weekend Sunday, January 14th, U.S. Bank Stadium, kickoff, 3.40 p.m. Central Time, and the game will be on Fox. Exciting times ahead. Playoff football, nothing better than that. We don't play for another week. In the meantime, stay tuned to Vikings.com for more great content on your favorite team. All right, yeah, you, you kind of explained it all there. Um, Vikings, head, uh, Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer kind of sat down in his press conference and said, when you have a bye week, there's a real good chance that you're going to go deep into the playoffs. It gives yeah. you that extra week. Um, definitely something of note to look here as we look at the numbers. Um, our own Craig Peters and Eric Smith did some research this week um, on Vikings.com on the history of the bye week teams in the playoffs and then the, uh, the number two seed teams in the playoffs. So first we'll start. We're, we're the number two seed in the NFC. So, Wabi, if you want to run through kind of the history of the uh, number two seeds in the NFC in the playoffs. Well, yeah, third time since the current NFL playoff format was adopted in 1990 that the Vikings are the two seed. Um, and so if you look at the other two times, it was in 2009 when the Vikings lost at New Orleans in the NFC title game, and then back in 2000 when the Vikings lost to the Giants in the title game. So this is the third time the Vikings are going to be the number two seed. Um, if you look at... Um, the breakdown of number two seeds the previous 27 years, this is how it goes. Three of those 27 won the Super Bowl. Four lost in the Super Bowl. So seven times in 27 years, the two seed in the NFC went to the Super Bowl. They won it three times, lost it four times. Also, 14 of those teams lost in the NFC Championship. So of the previous 27 number two seeds in the NFC, 14 lost in the NFC title game. Now, what's interesting about that, Chris, because everyone's wondering if the Vikings can host not just the Super Bowl, but also host the NFC title game yeah. as the two seed. Because some people want to count these Eagles out since they lost Carson Wentz. Okay, So 11 of those 14 number two seeds who lost in the NFC title game, 11 of the 14 were on the road. Okay, so people are hoping the Vikings won't be on the road, that they'll be home. And that gives you a better right. chance. Right, so if you kind of look at the history of the number two seed, it's certainly not a guarantee that you're getting to the Super Bowl. Yeah. But we're hoping that we can host that NFC title game. That could make all the difference in the world. Um, you know, and we've seen the advantage the Vikings have had inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Now, we're not going to count out the Eagles. The Vikings and Vikings fans should be the last people to count out the Eagles just because they're playing with a backup quarterback. Because how did we get to where we are right now? 
with our backup quarterback. That's right. right? We're in the same exact situation. (laughs) It is crazy to look. The number one seed and the two seed in the NFC are in the same situation. Their backup quarterback is leading the way. Yeah, so lots of numbers there. Um, But basically, Zim is right. Having a bye and playing at home in the playoffs, it's a big deal. But being the number one seed is a bigger deal. It's very big. And so that's why we're going to be rooting like heck to become the pseudo number one seed basically if we can get the Eagles to lose. Yeah. So looking at three teams as well, the nineteen ninety Giants, yep, the nineteen ninety two Cowboys led by Troy Aikman, and the two thousand two Buccaneers, John Gruden's Buccaneers, um, John Lynch was a big part of that team as well mm-hmm. on that defense. These are three teams that were two seeds that won the Super Bowl um in the past past 27 teams that we talked about. So those are the three ones that won. Yeah, um, Definitely of note of some of the players that were on those teams. Um, those teams had good defenses too, yeah. kind of similar to us. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens yeah. going forward. All right. Uh, so by, the history of the bye week in the NFC, Chrissy. How about that? So now we're looking at the bye week teams and kind of the history that, that occurred there in the NFC. The Falcons were the number two seed in 2016. They did obviously go to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots. Yep. Um, the Panthers were the number one seed in 2015. They, of course, as well went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2013, the Seahawks were the number one seed, and in 2014, they were the number one seed as well. Um, looking at some other teams, the 49ers were the number two seed in 2012. Um, that was a really good team as well. Um, so in in the past five seasons, um, the bye week has represented the the, the NFC in the yeah. Super Bowl. Okay, so. and I think th- like really when Zim was up at the press conference after the Bears game, yep. I think that's really what he was talking about. Yeah, like all five seasons in the NFC past five years, it's been a, it's been a number one seed or a number two seed yeah. that has been in the Super Bowl. Uh, the, the, not all of them won, mm-hmm. but. Uh, they have been the representative from the NFC. So yeah, that's, it, yeah, and if you go back further to 2002 when the current division format was adopted, 22 of 30 Super Bowl participants in the NFC had a first-round bye. So, um, yeah, it's a big deal to have that first-round bye, and um, and we got it. So now we got to take advantage of it. we got to take advantage of it by getting healthy, by resting, and by being prepared for whoever the Vikings may face in the divisional round of the playoffs. There are teams um, looking back that that have obviously been the number six seed, number four seed, stuff like that. The New York Giants, Linval Joseph's New York Giants, um, were the number four seed in the, in the year that they beat the Patriots years back. Um, Green Bay obviously was a number six seed when they won behind Aaron Rodgers. So there are examples in the recent history of teams that um, have obviously gone on to win Super Bowls. Um, Winning a lot of games on the road, which is impressive, and yeah. thank God we we don't have to do that this year. The, the amazing part about all this and all the numbers we threw out and the trends and stats and the likelihood and all that is, the, the game's going to come down to like three or four plays. It always does. <laughs> I mean, it always seems to, to to come down to that. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, and the other thing is, yeah, it's great you had a bye and you're playing at home and all that, but guess what? You're playing a team that just won a playoff game, by the way, like. You can't be feeling better about yourself than after you win a playoff game. That's who you got coming into your house, a team who thinks it can beat you. You yep. know, so the challenge is stiff. Even even after that bye, still uh, still a tall hill to climb to get to the Super Bowl. Speaking of home field advantage, which yeah. we have in that game that we will be hosting um, 
not this Sunday, but the Sunday after that, uh, January 14th, Peter Schrager. He's our guy. He's our guy. We spoke to him out on the field at U.S. Bank Stadium. He was loving it. Before a loss. Yeah. Uh, Detroit? Yeah, it was Detroit week four, um, our fourth game of the year. It was a loss for the Vikings. And the first thing he said to us was, man, this U.S. Bank Stadium, I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, He mentioned covering games at the Metrodome in the past and how loud that was, but he said – this U.S. Bank Stadium, we, I mean, he was he was stunned yeah. with how loud it was. <laughs> so we had to bring that up on, on the Wobcast because he was on um, NFL Network this week. Yeah. And he said he, he had a, a, a good statement. I saw it on the website. He said, Minnesota will not lose at U.S. Bank Stadium in the right. playoffs. There's no one who can beat us at U.S. Bank Stadium. That's what he says. He says it. So we're going to play it for you right now. Um, we had it on the website on Vikings.com. We featured it. You know we featured that. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll let you listen in right now. What are you most excited to see as far as a new face? Yeah, new face and also new feel. For me, it's, it's the Vikings in that dome, that new stadium hosting playoff games. I used to do playoff games in the Metrodome. It would be so loud. I remember them playing the Cowboys a couple of years ago and Tony Romo spending the entire game on his back because that Vikings defense just pursued him. Now, here's what makes this so unique. That baby looked real scary. That baby was scary. <laughs> the Vikings are going to host a playoff game. We don't know who they're going to play yet, but their defense at home has only given up 12 points per game, best in the NFL. They've only given up eight touchdowns at home, fewest in the NFL. They're only giving up 240 yards Good numbers. Per game, fewest in the NFL. Look, there's been no Super Bowl team we know to ever host a Super Bowl right. in their own building. The Vikings might have to go on the road to Philadelphia, but if Philadelphia is knocked off, the Vikings are the home team. I just can't imagine U.S. Bank Stadium during the playoffs, and I am so excited to see that Vikings fan base show up and show out and the purple be out in color because I don't think anybody can beat the Vikings in Minnesota. Smartest fans in the NFL really? we talked about, too. Nobody I've can never beat the been Vikings to a game there. Minnesota. Me neither. In Nobody can do it. I don't think any of these teams can beat the Vikings in Minnesota. And they may, I mean, look, if, the, if Philly gets knocked off, the NFC title game could be in Minnesota as well as the Super Bowl, hey, as well as Good Morning And Super. I'm not talking just the NFC. I'm talking in general. Okay. no one, the way they're playing with the fan base, no one, AFC or NFC, is going in Minnesota and winning in that stadium. That Rams-Vikings game was in Minnesota, right? It would be. If the Rams no, win. No, but it was already this season. It was in Minnesota. Girly, mm-hmm. 45 That's, to yards. To me, that was like mm-hmm. that one game where I'm like, mm, the Rams aren't, I don't know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. maybe it was more about where they were playing. They lost one game. Yeah. It was the game where they played the Lions, and Keenum was just not, it was early in the season. 14-7, weird game. They haven't lost since. That was in September. Mm. Mm. Big Linval, big Everson, bad dudes. Purple bad stuff, dudes. right, Nate? Alex Smith. Them? That purple stuff. Alex- all right, from one NFL Network segment to another, um, uh, this week on NFL Network, they went through all the top teams in the NFC and kind of discussed what the keys were um, for that team to make it to the Super Bowl. They went through the Eagles. They went through the Vikings. Um, it was actually Willie McGinnis of NFL Network um, that was speaking on the Vikings, and we'll, we'll play that for you right now as well, and then we'll get Wabi's take on what he thinks is the keys for the Vikings to make it to the Super Bowl. How can the Eagles win it all? Well, Nick Foles got to play better, and, and they might need to take a methodical approach. Condense the playbook, rely on those three running backs you have in the backfield, and play really good defense. You can turn the ball over on defense. You do that, you'll have a chance in the playoffs. 
The Vikings are the number two seed after finishing the regular season with a 13-3 record. Minnesota won 11 of their past 12, and they're just the 17th team in the Super Bowl era to finish with a number one scoring defense and the number one total defense. Willie, how can the Vikings win it all? You just said it, Dan. They keep people out of the end zone, the best team in the league. They're tenacious. They give you multiple looks on defense, and they're aggressive. And the other side of the ball, Case Keenum. Yeah, I know it's a great story, but keep playing with a chip on your shoulder. When you get out of the pocket, make those great plays down the field and keep proving people wrong. Rams are the three seed with a home game on Saturday, the first playoff game in Los Angeles since 1994, and the first playoff game ever for a good majority of the Rams players, including Gurley and Goff, and also their head coach, Sean McVay. So they're good, but they're inexperienced. How can they win it all, Reggie? Lindsay, they might be inexperienced, but you know what? They score points. Going to these playoffs, continue to score 30 points a game. Sean McVay, don't forget about that monster you have in the backfield and Ty Gurley. Keep feeding him and Wade Phillips for your defense. Keep playing aggressive. Keep those offenses guessing. The Saints are the fourth seed after winning the NFC South. They'll host the Panthers on Wild Card Sunday. After losing their first two games, the Saints won 11-3 over the final 14. Only three teams have started 0-2 and went on to win the Super Bowl. LT, how can the Saints win it all? Keep doing what you're doing, baby. Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, rely on those boys. Drew Brees will make timely throws. Defensively, keep balling, be aggressive, and we'll see the maturation take uh, happen on defense. If you do that, you'll go deep in the playoffs and possibly find yourself in the Super Bowl. Panthers stumbled across the finish line yesterday, but they'd been playing well prior to that. Seven wins in their last nine games. A great until yesterday running game. A great until yesterday defense. How did they get back on track, Willie, and get themselves back to the Super Bowl? Well, listen, they won't keep stumbling if this offense keeps going through Cam Newton. 75% of the offense goes through Cam. When he goes, the offense goes. Keep people guessing. Use all your different weapons. Funches is now a number one receiver. You got Olsen back. McCaffrey will get involved in the offense. And guess what? On the other side of the ball, you got Captain Luke and the boys. That defense is one of the best in the league, and they will keep teams out of the end zone. Finally in the NFC, last year's NFC champs back in the postseason as the sixth seed. If the Falcons can get back to the Super Bowl, they'll be the first runner-up to make it back the next year since the 90s Bills. Reggie, how can the Falcons win it all? I know we have Matty Ice throwing the ball around the yard, but let's not forget about that two-headed monster in the backfield with Freeman and Coleman. And on the other end, you got Julio Jones, but let's not force the ball to him. Let's spread the love like we've been doing, and when Julio gets his one-on-one matchup, we explore it. All right, Wabi, we heard from Willie McGinnis. He's obviously got some experience there winning in big games and going to the Super Bowl. I want to ask you now what you think are the keys for the Vikings to play the Super Bowl at their home stadium, yeah. U.S. Bank Stadium. Well, I think one is getting healthy, especially with Kyle Rudolph and Pat Elfline. We're going to need those two guys ready to go and yeah. healthy. And, you know, I know no one's 100%, but if we could get them at 85 or something like that, that would be right about where, you know, we could handle it or, or better. So health is, is a key, and hopefully the bye week will help us with that. But two things on the field that I really will hone in on. Um, number one is negative rushes. Um, for our offense we of all the nfc playoff teams we have the most negative rushes by percentage 
and we have the second most by total. So wow. we, we got to get rid of those because our offense is good and efficient and explosive, but we really put the pressure on them when it's second and 12 or second and 11. So I don't want to be in that situation. I want to get rid of some of those negative rushes. Um, and then uh, red zone touchdowns. You know, if you look back to the last time we lost, it was at Carolina. Yep. We were one for four in the red zone scoring touchdowns. And that includes a possession at the end of the game where we kicked a field goal to tie it. Yep. In, after a Sendejo's interception instead, instead of, of punching it in. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, you know, to me, we've been good in the red zone all season. We're 58% touchdowns in the red zone, which is ninth in the NFL. We're going to need to be that or better. Um, and it's not that I don't have trust in Kai Forbath. It's just that when you put seven, six or seven on the board with this defense at home, it really puts pressure on the other offense. For sure. A lot of pressure. You know, and like if you remember the um, the Bengals game after Kendrick scored on that pick six, yep. like we eventually went up 24 to zero. But after Kendrick's pick six, it was 14 to zero. The game was over. It was over. The The momentum had swung, and that was it. There's nothing that Cincinnati could have done, in my opinion, at that point to yep. to to overturn the tide. It was That's it. I mean, we're up 14 nothing in our home stadium. You can go home. It, it doesn't get much better than that. that it was the same case uh, last year. I remember we played the Texans, and that was yeah. when we were undefeated. Yeah. Went up 14 nothing real quick. Lights and out. Was like, game over. And, and yep. so – if you just if you have one miscue in the red zone and you got to kick a field goal and now it's now it's three nothing and six nothing instead of fourteen nothing I mean you've given a team second life for sure and you can't give playoff teams a second life because they will beat you so to me red zone touchdown percentage is a big key those are really good points the rushing number I didn't even I yeah. haven't even seen that. Yeah, and it's it's just been a little thing that's annoyed me all season, you yeah. know. And like Latavius Murray's had a pretty good year, three point nine yards per carry, eight touchdowns. You know, McKinnon has been really important for us as yep. a dual threat. And it's not, uh, you know, I'm not. It's not a criticism of those two guys. It's more the blocking than anything. And a lot of times it happens on first down. Yeah. Uh, so we're asking, you know, we're asking Keenum to dig us out of second and twelve. And I just, I just don't think that's the formula for success for any team, but especially for us. Well, I like it. Obviously, uh, there's a lot that we can look at when it comes to keys. Um, Willie McGinnis mentioned uh, the performance of Case Keenum. That was yeah. the big thing that he mentioned. Does anything worry you about our defense? The, I, w- I wouldn't even – the defense isn't even on the list yeah. for keys. Nothing worries. I, I mean, yeah. health. I mean, but that every team would say that about yep. offense and defense and special teams. I wouldn't even go to the defense. I think the first thing you think of when, when you think of keys is that the defense is, is already – yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm sure Zim yeah. is like he could make a list of seven things that he wants to be better, yeah. you know. But he's he's really going through it with a fine tooth comb. We're looking more surface level. I think the defense is in great form. Yeah. Right now we're going to answer some fan some fan questions Let's going do it. forward. There's a lot of things going on in the building this week, um, and we'll start with Brian Zerpel. Um, with Case Keenan being so effective outside the pocket. Do you think we'll see more of that in the playoffs? I don't know if he's mentioning like play action passes and stuff. Yeah, like I think that. he's talking about like bootlegs and moving pockets. Yep. I don't think you design more of it and call more of the design. I think you keep it as is and you just let Case know like if it breaks down, use your legs, you know, but don't use your legs before stuff breaks down. Yeah. You know, is, does that make sense? Yeah, like, for sure. You know, the, the thing about when you design plays, you know, where you're moving the pocket and rolling the quarterback out, you know, yeah, you're getting him out of the traffic of the defensive line and you're getting him on the move. 
you know, but you're also reducing the field by half that you can use, you know, because you're not going to ask your quarterback to roll right and throw left. Mm-hmm. He's either going to throw straight ahead or throw to his right as he's rolling right. So you're also making it a little bit easier for the defense to defend. So I don't think you want to design that in very much, only in specific cases. Um, but I, I do think, you know, you want to encourage Case to continue using his mobility. I mean, I, I've said it for a long time. There is, I mean, it is such a backbreaker for a defense to be third and seven. You drop back to pass, everything's covered up, and the quarterback runs for a first down. I mean, that's that is momentum killing for a defense. And, and Case, Case can do that. He can do that, yeah. which is huge. And obviously, this all starts with the running game. When you have a good running game, you you have the ability to to go to play action and stuff like that. And obviously, Case's feet make that mm-hmm. um, even more possible for the Vikings. Next question from Rich S. I believe Linval is the key to our defensive domination. Which team poses the worst slash best matchup for Linval? You know, I think you look at Philadelphia. They got a pretty good center in Kelsey and an interior. Um, I still think Linval has the edge there. Um, yeah. You know, and I think the Saints are, are pretty good on the interior as well. But I think Linval is the type of player where he's, he's probably better than anyone that you would put across from him. I agree. You know, and, and and offenses can scheme against them to to use, put four hands on them and take them out, but now that's two fewer hands you've got for Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin, you know, or one less lineman to get to the second level to take care of Barr Kendricks. That's the value of Linval Joseph. So, if I had to pick a team, I think I'd pick Philadelphia. Like that, that'd be probably be the toughest matchup for our defensive line. I think their offensive line is really good, um, but uh, but I'd give the edge to Linval over every center in the NFL. Who's the best matchup for Linval? Um, like Carolina, maybe. You know what? I I don't know. I like Khalil. I think like Khalil. Ryan yeah, Khalil Ryan Khalil did a good job against Linval. Um, and you know what? Uh, you you bring up a good point. Carolina's offensive line did play really well against us. They really maybe did. they're the toughest matchup. Yeah. over Philly. Um, I like our matchup against the Rams. You know, I know that the Rams marched down and scored a touchdown on the first drive against us, that and that was, was a little hairy. Yeah. You're right. That was it. That was the end of it. Zero points after that. So I kind of like that matchup. Um, you know, and then I thought we did a pretty good job against Atlanta. And I know Alex Mack is a really good center, but, um, you know, I thought, I think our defensive line did a really nice job. I mean, we held Atlanta to no touchdowns. It, it, was, so, it was impressive. Yeah. That's for so, sure. so I think that's a probably a pretty favorable matchup as well. But we can't hook Atlanta until the NFC title game. So we got to win a game, and then they have to win two games before we can hook them. Next was from Corey. Um, there's been a lot of reports this week that Pat Shermer, the Vikings offensive coordinator, has um, interview scheduled with a couple mm-hmm. of other NFL teams, um, the Chicago Bears being one, the Detroit Lions being one, um, the New York Giants have requested to speak to Pat Shermer as well. Um, so if Shermer is, ends up departing for a head coaching job, Corey asks, who is likely to replace him as the offensive coordinator? I have my pick. Okay. And he's in the building. Ooh. That's my pick. But right. obviously there's a lot of head coaches out there, but I want to hear what you have to say first. Well, yeah. I mean, you got um, – you know, I look at someone like like Jim Caldwell, who was fired by the Lions. He's a good offensive mind, I think. You yeah. know, he's worked with some good quarterbacks, and I'd have a lot of faith in him. Um, 
I don't know. Um, I'd love to get Bruce Arians, but he's retired. Yeah. So um, I think he's got Him a real... Zimmer would be quite the That'd combo. be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, you know, internally, I do think there are a couple of candidates. You know, Tony Sperano has been a head coach and a coordinator. He's on, on staff here. And I think I know where you're going to go with your idea. I'm going Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, I can feel that. The longest tenured Vikings coach. Yeah. He's been here through multiple head coaches. He's coached just about every position on the offense. He knows the ins and outs. He knows all the players. He has great relationships. Um, if you ever hear any of the players talk, all they do is rave about him. Yeah. Um, he's obviously on the on the younger end of some of these guys, but he has been here for almost 10 years already. Yeah. Um, so that's where I would go. Yeah, I think that's a good name too. And, um, you know, there are going to be some, some coaches – who are part of staffs that were fired, you know, who are going to be available. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I think they all bear mentioning and consideration. And, um, and we don't know that Pat Shermer's going to leave for a job, be offered a job. I mean, we're hoping he's coaching until the beginning of February. You know, he's going to, you know, the teams are going to hire coaches. So I, I think we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But I'm confident there will be really good candidates out there um, if we do have to replace the offensive coordinator. And there was also a report today that um, George Edwards, our defensive coordinator, uh, has been requested to interview with the Chicago Bears as well. Okay. Um, so that's another name to keep an eye on um, as yeah. well. And there's a, also a lot of defensive coaches out there that have been let go of their teams, um, head coaches as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. It's an interesting time. You know, I mean, um, you got, you know, 12 teams are in the hunt, are, are yep. looking for the Super Bowl, and the rest of them are already started their, starting their off seasons. You know, reshuffling staffs or keeping staffs, um, replacing staffs, yep. and um, you know, getting personnel meetings squared away and trying to figure out their um, their Senior Bowl schedule. So lots of stuff going on in the NFL right now. It's a lot of fun. It's for sure. We're on the right side of it. Yeah, too. yeah, we are on the right <laughs> side. We'll take we'll take um, a slow start to the off season. You know, yep. as the trade off to to being in the playoffs this for was sure. Day one of the off season last year. So. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, we're ha- we're happy to still be playing. All right, before we go, we got to do predictions, playoff predictions for the wild card round. So this, I mean, for Vikings fans who got snobby and aren't paying attention to the matchups because their team isn't playing, don't blame you. Here's a refresher of what's going to happen. All right, wild card weekend, two games on Saturday. You're going to see the Chiefs and Titans play at Arrowhead Stadium in the first game. And then at night on Saturday, you're going to have uh, a game that's very relative to the Vikings because if the Rams win it, we know who we play. We play the Rams. It is Atlanta at Los Angeles. So before we get to the Sunday games, Chrissy, your two predictions for those two games, Titans at Chiefs, Falcons at Rams. Looking at the first game in the AFC, the Titans are on the road, of course, and they are eight and a half point underdogs as we speak right now. Um, I'm going to go Kansas City in that game, not because I believe in Kansas City, but because I believe in Kansas City's home field advantage. Arrowhead Stadium is about as loud as it gets, especially in the playoffs, and I don't trust Marcus Mariota on the road in that first game. Okay. Um, The second game, Atlanta against the L.A. Rams in L.A. Mm -hmm. The Falcons are six-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road. I'm going Atlanta. Okay. I'm going with the team that has experience, the Super Bowl contenders, um, from the NFC, I'm going with Atlanta over LA. All right. Straight up, I would take the Chiefs and Rams. But yeah. playing the points, I would take the um, nine points or eight and a half points in the Titans, and I would take the six and a half in the Falcons. Yeah. But I think straight up, the home teams are going to win those two games. Gotcha. All right. So um, now you go to Sunday, and at noon on 
Uh, CBS, you're going to have the Bills at the Jaguars. Okay, and then at uh, to cap Wild Card Weekend, you're going to have the Panthers at the Saints on Fox. All right, I'll go first this time, Chris. Um, in that AFC game, you know, Bills at Jags. I'm actually super intrigued by this game. Not even kidding. Because I just haven't watched the Jags play much this year. They've got the number two defense in the NFL. It's crazy. They're giving up 16.8 points per game. They got a rock star secondary. They got Doug Marone, who's a no-nonsense head coach, and who was the Buffalo Bills head coach in 2014, Tom Coughlin running the show in Jacksonville. Got the upstart Bills, haven't been in the playoffs for 17 years. You, Chris, as someone who grew up in New York, are familiar with their playoff drought, I'm sure. That's for sure. I love this game. I can't wait um, for Sunday to watch this game. Um, And I think the Jags are going to win the game. But it's another one of the games where I would take the points. I would take the Bills and the points if I'm playing the point spreads. But straight up, I'm going to take the Jaguars. And then Panthers at Saints, I think this is just an absolute toss-up. Another game where I would take the points, and I'm going to take the Saints. Now, what I don't like about my predictions is straight up, I've taken all of the home teams. Yep. And I think Wild Card Weekend is wild, and there's going to be at least one upset, maybe more. But I've got all four home teams straight up. Straight up in the first game, Buffalo at Jacksonville. First, I have to just say, if you told me at the beginning of the year that Jacksonville and the Buffalo Bills would be playing a playoff game, I would think you're crazy. I mean, I never would think. I mean, I know Jacksonville has a very talented team. You look at some of the guys on their roster. um, They have a great running back in Leonard Fournette, but um, I did not know that they would have the second-best defense in the NFL. pretty crazy. um, Points-wise. But I'm going Jacksonville in this one. I think I would take Jacksonville giving the points as well. Um, just because Buffalo on the road kind of kind of scares me. Um, and then in the next game, as you said, New Orleans at home against Carolina, um, this game is going either way. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm more afraid of the Saints if the Vikings have to play the Saints, but I th- and I think they're going to win this game. But I can see Cam Newton going in there and, and just yeah. taking over. And, taking over, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to go Saints in that game as well. I'll go with the two favorites on Sunday, but – Man, that Carolina-New Orleans game is going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. All four games are going to be fun to watch. And I don't want to hear anything about any dud playoff games. It's the freaking playoffs. Yep. I mean, we're all going to be watching these games. And um, I'm super excited for it. you got some new blood in there. I mean, um, you got five new um, playoff teams in the awesome. NFC. It's great right? for the league that, yeah. that, that that's the case. Yeah, and, and you got Titans in there, Bills in there, Jags in there in the AFC. You've got everyone, it seems, in the world cheering against the Patriots. They're back in there. I mean, yep. let's go. I can't wait for these playoff games. It's going to be awesome. All righty. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This edition of the Wobcast is over. We're going to be back, though, next week with another edition of the Wobcast as we react to Wildcard Weekend and preview the Vikings' divisional round playoff game against either the Rams, the Panthers, or the Saints. Remember, if the Rams win on Saturday night, that's who we play. We play the Rams. If the Falcons pull off the upset on Saturday night, then the Vikings will play the winner of the Panthers and the Saints. So we don't know yet who we're going to play, but we know the options, and we know when we will play. The Vikings will play on Sunday of Divisional Round Weekend. Kickoff scheduled for 3.40 p.m. Central Time. The game will be on Fox. All right, on behalf of Wobcast co-host and producer Chris Corso, I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, signing off for now. Enjoy Wild Card Weekend, everyone.